Welcome to How to Be Well with Dr. Will Miller, musician and radio host Rick Mummy, and an excerpt from Jesus from Brooklyn. Well, good morning and welcome to the podcast. Uh, Rick and I are here. We're ready to go. We are upright. We are seeing each other from around the, not the waist up, maybe from the chest up. Uh, and we both look fine. And we were having observations that we both look so pale as pale white men. We ought to have a pale off. A pale off. That would be a good, a good, <laughs> a good contest. I, I'm, I'm sure we would, we would only attract competitors, not so much participants. <laughs> It is interesting to be in this time and in this culture to be self-identified as an aging white male. I mean, it's a kind of a hot topic. And um, I, I think about our background and among the things I'm really eager to talk with you about is we are both artists and have been involved in the arts our entire career. Uh, we not only look in on and, and consume art, we produce art. And so it's going to be fun conversations with us. I think so too, um, particularly since you're an educated person and I'm pretty much uh, not. So hopefully it won't be like for you, it won't be like playing handball against the drapes. That's my. Well, <laughs> believe me, Rick, you say I'm an educated person. My education is completely superfluous to the arts. Well, well, that, that, that may be, but on the, on the other hand, as a, as a person who, who counsels other people, you know yeah. about the importance of stopping and taking a break and entertaining yourself, how, however right. you do that. That's right. And, and um, means and modes of entertainment can be very important to uh, the general health and well-being of a person. Can I, can I do a little diversion into my background that was, that's yes, been sir. kind of like yes, Im sir. important to me? Of course, when I was in high school, of course, I started playing the guitar and singing. And I'm guessing that's something of your story, too. You got into singing. Uh, you're such a great vocalist and artist. And when I, a long, circuitous route, and then when I moved back to New York, in 1979, my intention was to get back into music, and my music was clearly influenced by folk music. I was a folk singer, and a folk singer who was evolving following some of the um, expansions of, like, say, Simon and Garfunkel were heroic to me. They were right. just, you know, singer-songwriters uh, who were produced with more sophistication for radio. Well, anyway, so I go down and I'm starting but to sing. But <laughs> before that, you had what Martin Mull referred to as the folk music scare of the early 60s. <laughs> that fiddle and banjo crap nearly caught on, he said. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so, you know, I mean, you think about, say, James Taylor, you know, lyricists, artists, etc. And I fashioned myself that way. So I quit my job. I moved down to New York. I started singing on weekends in wine and cheese bistros, you know, where I'm singing my own songs and other stuff. It became clearly obvious that uh, I was in the wrong genre to make it successfully. I mean, disco took off. And my own dumb myopia, rather than sticking to my genre and finding my path through that, right. I guess I had these uh, fantasies of, well, if I want to make it in music, I, I can't be doing this. And that's when I switched to comedy. So right. <laughs> my judgment is in question. Well, it, it, you know, I can't argue that. If you're going from music to comedy, it's like, let me see, where could I find less appreciation right. and less remuneration for what I do? Let me see. Exactly. Uh, well, music, no, comedy, let's do that. <laughs> At a time when no one knew what the heck it was. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah there wasn't so much of it then. There, were, there, were, there wasn't like 
a crackers or a giggles or whatever kind of club in every city no. of any size back then. I started in 79 at the Good Times Cafe. Many, many comedians you know started there on this little showcase of musicians and comics, you know, on 34th Street, and no one knew what it was. And, um, and then from there, the comic strip Catch a Rising Star and the improv sort of caught on. And then from there, it was off to the races. Within a few years, people said, hey, we can make money doing this. And so anyway, so I, I climbed that ladder through those epic years. But I really never satisfied my desire in music, which is really something of a, a sadness for me. I think a lot of people have a latent desire to be musicians. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes it comes out, uh, comes right out of them while someone else is playing, uh, which is unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you and I paid a handful of shekels to get to shows, whereas now it's like 45, 50 bucks to go see a show. Yep. Um, and, and as much as I may love my fellow man, I'm only paying for the fellow man who I know can sing, not yep. the cat standing behind me. I don't, <laughs> I'm not that big on the sing-along thing. You know, yeah. that's okay. Yep. I started in Gary, Indiana at my parents' pinochle game. So oh, my was, God. They would, they would, they would call me into the room to entertain during lulls in the pinochle, and pinochle is really a lull from start to finish. So. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And they would call me in, and I would do, um, I would do Jonathan Winters bits, and I would do uh, Walter Brennan and Popeye, and I would sing for them. Yeah, you do a great Walter Brennan. I well, I do now because my back is so bad. I walk exactly <laughs> like him. Gotta, to get this back thing going i just walk around the therapy session hey, dave nibbit hey, you kids you know <laughs> Move well i like walt but 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 i think that that the, the 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 idea to entertain and to be entertained is certainly in everybody and people find different ways to to work that thing out and uh, you know some people are, are purely amateur at it like myself for instance and then you find people who are out there you know making a living at it uh and and there are people to be admired in both of those sort of uh, uh methods of getting your music out there either as an amateur or as a pro anybody who's doing it i respect the fact that they're doing it while i may not always respect the product uh, yeah, of somebody. I do respect the fact that they're out there doing it. And anybody who puts themselves in front of an audience uh, gets a certain amount of admiration from me because it, it, it takes a little something to stand up in front of people and go, you know, do this. Uh, and, among, and, this. A, and in the variety of, of people who are passionate about this art, I mean, I understand, as you say, there are people who just really ought to be advised by someone of credibility to leave the business. But other than that, you know, a lot of people who I've encountered in the arts, whether they're comics or musicians, uh, those who uh, drop anchor and say, this is my genre, this is what I do, and I'm going to stick with it for a long time. Those are the people who oftentimes have some success because they push away the critique and the temptations of what would be popular and make, make them go, and they stick with what they do. I think those people tend to last uh, the longest. I mean, so, and, and, but you know, sometimes some types of music come along like a tidal wave and mm -hmm. and really disturb things. I mean, when the Brits brought R and B back here, mm -hmm. you know, we sent we sent everybody we sent it all over there. They got a, a, an appreciation of it and brought it back here in the in the form of these rock bands. And as soon as the, the, the British rock bands got here and got started, you could hear the the death knell, the end of days for the. Uh, uh, Italian, young Italian guy with a cardigan on, you know, <laughs> like, you know, 
Bobby Vinton was on his way to the to the Star Theater in Gary before it got built. I mean, they they were <laughs> they were headed there, and th and that's you know that's the way it goes in in the entertainment thing. Sometimes there are just big cultural things that that just waves that come by like that. It was never going to be the same. You were never going to hear Wayne Newton Dunkishin anywhere but Las Vegas once <laughs> once the rock and roll got in. The rest is the re the rest of those people are pretty much consigned to nostalgia type of things. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and well, a lot of it's and the same of it is even with stuff pre that British invasion like the doo-wop groups from from the late 40s and 50s, you still see them sometimes on these reviews although there's like one guy left. Yeah. Of the band. Yes. And so these right. other the other coasters and drifters are young dudes that the, somebody brought in to, to perform under the name. Of course, at one time there were like four Steppenwolves out there doing their thing until until some lawsuits got going. You know, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, but but sometimes you know these cultural movements just they, they move things out, and, and and you know people people also sometimes fail to understand that you know they they say well things aren't as good as they were in my youth. But in your youth, you were the target demographic of whatever the thing is that you remember. Bingo. That's right. When, exactly. As, as you age, I, I don't expect popular culture to come my way. Right? Because right. I just, I'm almost positive they're not sitting in the offices of whatever, MTV, for instance, and going, what do, what do pale, old, <laughs> pale old dudes in the Midwest want? That's right. not a consideration. It, it, and therefore, it is very interesting when some artists or artists or bands or groups carry over across generations that's a rarity you know of course one of my favorites of course is is uh, u2 and u2 has been like the beatles and some others uh, incredibly resilient carrying over like several decades but i i am not clued into and and hip-hop of course mystifies me other than it's storytelling i get that and storytelling to uh, a, um, a population of people you know my my interest you really talk about this is why we're a good match. You really talk about the genre and and the music genres, and my interest is in the ego of the artist. Right. In other words, like what this is doing inside the head and the brain and the self-esteem uh, of the artist. And I do know that one of the uh, one of the pressures uh, when you decide I'm going to become a singer, a musician, an artist, is how resilient you're going to be in the face of Will I stick with my genre, with my art? Will I shift and go this way or that way? How steadfast are you with what you believe in? And that's kind of what I was saying with folk. I mean, had I stayed in folk, you think about our friend Joe Peters, who's just been true as can be. And, you know, he's not really ever uh, pursued great, you know, recognition and fame, although we all love him. But I, I would have been very happy having a career as a singer-songwriter in that genre and you know amidst the noise of whatever else was popular yeah. uh, I, I could have been more satisfied from an ego point of view think of somebody like dylan he just remains dylan i mean he started out as dylan and he, there's no big change i mean people got upset when he had electric instruments play with him mm -hmm. but they got over that pretty quickly yep which is yep. another thing you have to calculate as a performer like maybe they just don't like you now he is such a uh, it's such an interesting cat. Who gets to spit in the eye of the Nobel Peace Prize? Yeah. I mean, you serious? I mean, like, that's amazing. I mean, he just said, no, not interested. I mean. Yeah, it's one thing to not want to go to the Rock Hall of Fame. <laughs> right. Completely different from the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, yeah. In, in literature. 
Yeah, I remember yeah. an interview with Keith Richards, and Keith Richards was scheduled to play at some big outdoor conference, uh, you know, a, a thing in the in the Southwest, and the interviewer was inter interviewing Keith, who's always a delightful interview, and and he was going to open for Bob Dylan. And so uh, the interviewer says, well, you're opening for Bob Dylan. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, you know, he just got the Nobel Prize for literature. <laughs> and quick as quick as could be, he said, well, I got one for chemistry. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and that is correct. So Well, he has a he's he may be somebody who can actually lay claim to the idea that he experimented. Right. I, know, I know a lot of people say that because they're making excuses for their college self. You know, I. Well, you know, we experimented with drugs. I don't know. Uh, uh, the people I were I was around were just taking them. There was no control group <laughs> next door. How you are know, you guys doing? You're not the guys that don't take drugs. How are you? Okay, make it, you know, there was no notes being taken. Like you know, went to McDonald's three times in an hour and a half. You know, <laughs> Keith is Keith is so ageless. It would be worthwhile for any uh, researcher studying aging to figure out the exact concoction of what he's been taken. And rec and bottle that and put that into you know one capsule. I think you have to cut him open and count the layers, <laughs> like a tree, like a like a tree. But yeah. you know we're talking we talk a little bit. I mean the overarching theme we're we're about is 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 wellness. And I don't mm -hmm. think you have wellness without some kind of entertainment, without some way to get out of yourself mm -hmm. and 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 examine some kind of art, or hear something pleasing to the ear, or watch something. That, you know, pleasing to the eye, uh, and just get into it and get away from the mundane for a while. And I, I think it can be some very good medicine. It's not all you need. <laughs> like, uh, I'm not vexed, but I watch a lot of TV. That's not yeah. you don't you don't need that. Um, but uh, uh, I, I think it's it's really important to your health and wellness to enjoy this stuff. And and well, some of it, you know, some of it is going to fall outside of of your sort of taste level. And like I say, if you're not the target demographic of a particular thing, it's not because the thing sucks. It's because you, you've aged out of it. You know that I, of course, you know, spend a lot of my time as a, you know, a therapist trained in neuroscience that, that I, um, I, I deal with trauma. And there's an axiom in trauma that trauma is not remembered, it is felt. And when you use that writ large uh, and you talk about what we're talking about, Anybody and everybody who listened to and enjoyed music throughout their life, for example, can turn on the radio to an oldies station or all of a sudden pump up their favorite artist and they're singing along. They are feeling that. And that's really what you're talking about, is yeah. that the health of art and music is felt more than thought about. I mean, you know, it's right. like because the thinking is, of course, obviously a, a factor in this. Uh, but it's it's really what you feel in your body. And I've heard tell that when you teach a kid art and music, you're actually physically making pathways in the brain. Totally, absolutely, absolutely. Because it's you know we are, you know one one of the um, one, one of the challenges of human life, most especially in our time, when we are so um, cognitive, so in our frontal cortex, so into our thinking and talking and. And, and that's actually where the, 
you know, the, the, the stress gets all percolating and we get cut off from our bodies and someone says, you know, get back into your, into your physicality and body. Uh, that's not just some mundane advice. It's part of what it means to be a healthy person. And mm. the more you're focused on objects, whether it's, you know, social media, whether, whatever it is, the less you are feeling. And when you're not feeling, that's a bad road to go down. Yeah, and I think that's what people were thinking the risk was going to be of having of doing so much online, for instance, for, for musicians particularly, of having online concerts uh, and, and showing themselves that way, of not having the immediate feedback from an audience and mm -hmm. not knowing exactly what that relationship mm -hmm. is going to morph into if you're doing these things on videos. But, but a lot of people are having some success doing it. It was a, a fairly successful workaround of the pandemic situation, and I think it's going to go... I think it's going to go on. I think people are going to keep keep doing it. Uh, yeah, the nice part about watching something online is because you're, you're not having to sit in front of that guy who knows all the lyrics. Which is <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Nobody's going to charge you $8 for a bottle of water to watch something from your living room. That's not bad. And this Probably may be can. where music, for example, is uh, a little distinct from, say, I mean, the, the, the powerful testimony of Broadway artists, stage artists, whose art communication is speaking and eye contact, uh, they have really felt uh, the, the difference with not having the live audience. The, the energy inside the theater has been just, it's been missing. Yeah, nothing quite like it. And you can't do, you can't do all of that stuff online. There, there is a physical experience that needs to be had. And people are getting out there and doing more, uh, uh, which is nice for as long as we can keep doing it. And as long as, you know, the, the relative uh, dangers are, are mitigated and we're doing it as healthily and safely as possible, uh, you know, it, it can only can only be a positive thing if we're not spreading disease by doing so. Mm -hmm. and, and that kind of brings me to a thing about our friends, uh, the band Frank Muffin. Yes. Who will be opening for Gin Blossoms here in town. Which is a great, great gig for them. You know, they, they play at our think. church. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah they're they're very very good and i would think too um opening for a band in your hometown where where people in the audience are going to know you has yep. to help because sometimes being the opening act can be brutal yeah and but frank muffin have to have a very big fan base here they're fabulous musicians they've been at it a long time they're t they're a tight band as they say and they have nice combination of original stuff and they're very very imaginative and creative each year uh, before covid for a couple of years or two or three years in a row they would have a project around you know just around thanksgiving or so or christmas where they would they would replicate a famous epic album and what was the first one that they did? Was it uh, Pink Floyd? They did Pink Floyd. They did Sgt. Pepper. That's right. And and they did it exactly. They, they, they got all the instrumentation all live, the strings, the horns, everything. It was a phenomenal piece of work. And I have to imagine that at this point, although they did that unique, elaborate cover of a famous uh, um, album, but it has certainly made them yet even better musicians working together to do their own material. And they may be working on another uh, album tribute thing, but I, I don't want to talk out of school about it. But there, Yeah, there that's be, right. I, I remember I heard about it. Yeah, yes, there, there, yes. May, there, there may be something. And, and, and it'll, if indeed it comes off, it'll definitely be very good and, and full of really, really talented people. And while we're talking about entertainments that we enjoy, I, I saw a post of yours on, on Facebook that you enjoy those uh, 
um, Denzel Washington movies. The oh, Equalizer. yeah, The Equalizer, absolutely. Well, I think like a lot of uh, timid, helpless people, I fantasize being that guy. I fantasize being the guy who takes charge and beats the living crap out of people who deserve to have it done to them. Well, they do make they make the bad guys unquestionably, unquestionably bad. Exactly. Like these aren't people who are in violation of zoning laws. These are. <laughs> <laughs> and these this are isn't someone guys. who. And this is not, not not someone who gave you like a snide look. He's he's so composed. He is immune to any personal insults like out in the street. This yeah. is all because he is taking up the cause of someone who has been hurt, abused, victimized, and God, does he make it great. He better do three or four more. Yeah, you, you, you can't, you, you know, there, there was a TV show uh, version of it many, many years ago with yes. an English actor. And That's then right. there, there was a, a recent one with Queen Latifah. That's right. In the enforcer character, so it, it's a kind of a good story. You can you can plug different people into it. It's 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 an interesting idea, and I think that we the people in general, uh, we like we still enjoy heroes. We still enjoy the bad guys getting beat by the good guys. That's right. And it was a lot clearer when you and I were young and looking at some of these things, movies and comic books and stuff like that. The, the good guy, bad guy thing. There was no gray area. No, no. In those no, in those no, days, you know, and no. also the superheroes didn't have personal problems. Bingo. Like, like, That's right. I remember yes. when, when I was a kid, I was just sort of aging out of comic books when the when Marvel Comics was getting bigger. And I, I, I saw some stuff and I thought, oh gosh, these guys have personal problems. Like, I well, just now, well, now, you know, and beat the, up the crooks. The new, the new Superman is coming out as uh, bisexual. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Yes, it was just announced last week. They're coming out and he's bisexual. Well, if you're I mean, Superman, you almost have to be. You, know? <laughs> you can't be limited by anything. Well, any satisfaction doesn't come easily when you're <laughs> Superman. I think, I think you have to expand your horizons, show somebody, ask somebody to, to meet you at the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, that's... Boundaries, that's boundaries collapsing all around us. Oh, all over the place. That's very interesting. Uh, it's interesting to see. And it, the, I, I saw a, tribute, or a, a trailer for... Uh, uh, another Batman coming out in March with uh, Robert Pattinson, the, the guy who he was the vampire kid. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Robert Pattinson playing Batman. I don't know. I'm always, uh, I'm always uncertain. And then they're usually okay. They, have, they haven't had like an awful one. Yeah. And yeah. none of them are as bad as the 1940s serial, movie serial that they had. Yes. If you, if you go to YouTube, you can find those. It's really amazing. For one thing, Batman's costume looks like it was made for a school play. Uh, <laughs> That's really hilarious, and he drives like a forty-two DeSoto. Like it's, it's not a it's not a fancy vehicle. He just pulls up in the the Plymouth or whatever to the to the crime scene. I bet he got a lot of traffic tickets. You know, no no cop would go. The Batmobile is parked here for more than two hours. I'm going to put a ticket. But with the you know with the regular family town car that the Batman was in in the in the day, yeah, those were those were pretty bad. But. Uh, we like the good guy, bad guy thing, and and you know there is, we sort of live in the gray area now. There is well, how much, how much, much how area. much of our discomfort with that gray area, really comes down to you and me being of the age of get off my lawn, you know. I mean, I mean the you know the people coming up, 
they must look at us like, well, they, they do look at us like we're, you know, cartoons, I guess. But it does beg the question then, okay, well, stand aside from your, you know, my limitations, picadillos, whatever. Where is this going? I mean, what's, will there be, and, you know, we, we keep thinking about maybe there'll be a throwback or a resurgence and some other values or something. I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, Glenn Sparks, my colleague who wrote Refrigerator Rights with me, who was just a, a world-renowned, you know, media scholar. Uh, he was the guy who clued me into Marshall McLuhan. And Marshall McLuhan, who was really essentially a, he was a weirdo, but he was a prophet about where technology, he predicted the internet, he predicted all this stuff. And he basically said, it would become so dis disorganized and so overwhelming, this technology, that eventually people would want to pull away from it and retreat into their, I think he used the term tribe, where, you know, the norms could be reestablished and, you know, uh, you know, you're not confused by right and wrong and what's decent, what's indecent, you know, what you should do, what you should right. not do. No wonder we're having such trouble with religion these days because conservative religious people look at the culture and, you know, throw up in their mouth and it's like, well, sorry, that's... That's the way it is, and it's not going to change. So you're going to cope with it, or what are you going to do? I mean, it's it's a hard time. Well, you're not going to win a lot of people over by attacking no. their entertainments. No, absolutely not. No, you're you're only going to solidify whatever it is they think by by because that's that's just fuel, just fuel for the for the person that you're trying to bring around to some other sort of philosophy. If if you start out by saying the things that give you joy and comfort all suck, yeah. Uh, that's that's just a, a really poor hello. That's that's a really bad greeting. Well, speaking as a guy who's on the porch yelling at the kids to get off his lawn, I want to ask you a question. Because I'm on the more... porch offering them 20 bucks to mow mine <laughs> and then get well, off of it. That's a good tip for me. Yeah. Um, uh, but 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 thinking about that, and you're more literate about music as an art form as, and as an industry. Uh, are you able to kind of understand deconstruct and penetrate hip-hop and rap have you listened to any of that i mean you, you're aware of, of course it's huge but, yeah. but have you been able to kind of get into it i hear those i hear those things and and for me there isn't a huge difference between difference between them and other sort of music particularly music with lyrics for me it's what are you saying first mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then how you say it is different i mean there's a lot of good and i i i uh, was reading an interview with the jazz guitarist Pat Metheny. Oh yeah, asked, he's famous, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they asked him about hip hop music. You know, and he said, you know, rhythmically they come up with some really cool stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Melody wise I'm not certain. Mm -hmm. uh, but but it you know, as a as a form, as a genre outside itself and not comparing it to every everything else, um, there are some things and there there are some um, people who who make that music and also have a decent message and, and also um, have some poetic things to say. Uh, but to the same. Music, to, popular music yeah. is always that. There's right. always some right. people over here, and then there are other people going, you know, let's go do a thing. That's right. You know, they're just talking exactly. to girls. Or, you know, yeah, right. right. You know, I, I used to think, um, <coughs> pardon, I used to think when they said, well, we're, we're just, we're, we're reflecting what's going on in, in, the, in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. and, and my, uh, my response to that was was always kind of well not everyone like yeah. some mm -hmm. some people are uh, got you know 
you take guys like a guy who's considered kind of a grandfather of that kind of music, Gil Scott Heron. He was definitely he had a message about about society, about racism, about poverty, about what to do, uh, uh, you know, about these things and how to approach approach life when you're a member uh, of a group uh, like that. Um, and and then you have some other acts that say, well, we're reflective of what it's like in the neighborhood, but everybody isn't in the neighborhood is not riding around in a limo with a bunch of weed and models. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and guns. If it was, I'd go, well, let's go there. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let, okay. That looks, that looks fun. Let's do that. Hop in. Here's your, here's your weed and here's your gun. Here's your weed and your gun and your models. Go, go. <laughs> and, your, and, your, and your limo and your driver. Take, yeah. Take, Take off, yeah. So, I I I I hate to get too uptight about it because there is some of that get off of my yard kind of old guy thing, you know, involved. Um, so uh, again, there are things I I like when I hear them, um, and other things I don't. And it has nothing to do with who specifically is making it. It's just my in my own head, my own sort of subjective criteria for what pleases me musically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with people making whatever kind of music uh, they enjoy. Um, and, you know, people talk about it. every musical movement in my lifetime and before was denigrated as just being horrible. It's going to rot your mind. It's going to turn you into sex and dope fiends. And, and that's happened all along. My dad couldn't say jazz in his house when he was a kid growing up. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it, it's a very generational thing, I think, and you you don't want to get too involved in everything. When I was a kid, was great, and everything now is awful because it, you don't have you don't. There's no evidence. There's no evidence. I, uh, people will post sometimes in Facebook. Well, you know, when we were kids, and we did a bad thing, we got beaten with objects, and we <laughs> we had to be in when it got dark. And if we didn't like supper, we ate it anyway. We didn't. We, we said, ma'am and sir, to our parents. And, and, and so my response to is, okay, but if you're speaking from my generation, you've been in charge for quite some time and uh, this. Yep. I mean, yep. read a paper. Well, those don't exist anymore, but read something and find mm-hmm. out that, you know, mm-hmm. perhaps it, it's not all about the superiority of our upbringing, mm-hmm. that we've created such a great world out of it all. So you know, maybe you know, just back off the brag a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, again, one of the things in, in media affects that that's really clear. And and I this I, this resonated immediately with me intuitively. It's like, for example, uh, research shows that people have an excessive fear that they will be the victim of a crime way out of proportion to the likelihood they'll be the victim of a crime. It's a media effect. And so because the media effect is so pervasive and swamping, uh, no wonder people are panic-stricken, worried, and ready to be reactive, to push back against anything that they see as a threat. And, you know, it all comes down to that, really, that we're not, we're not living healthy relational lifestyles. Uh, and, and you know, to the degree that, that music uh, is reflecting that angst, I think it's healthy. I mean, I think that's one of the great things about, you know, the music during the 60s, you know, was because it was lyrically... Uh, talking about, you know, what it was that was bothering the generation or whatever. I don't know where that's happening now that cuts across the top of the culture. You know, I think I think in discreetly, you know, say in hip hop, there are, as you point out, there are artists who are speaking directly to the people, the parents, the kids and the others, 
you know, in, say, challenged neighborhoods. Uh, I don't know who's speaking to uh, the affluent suburbanites these days, but I, I you know, <laughs> you know, w- Michael Buble, I think. <laughs> yeah, there Kenny it is. G. Adele, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Adele, yeah. right. Yeah, Adele, Adele. Now, when she turns up to a party, is everybody happy or not? <laughs> like when he was still around, if Adele had entered a party and Leonard Cohen was there, wouldn't you shuffle her over toward Leonard and go, you guys stay over there because you're so <laughs> sad. You're just so down. <laughs> Liven it up just a, just a tad for us. That's, that's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, Adele is almost Connie Francis of today. It's the... <laughs> Connie Francis's songs were so full of misery. It's amazing. People get really get into her big time. She's enormously popular. She's hugely popular. And one one thing I think is because she's a, a very uh, common type of person. She yeah. refers herself in that English way of common as muck. You know, she's 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 a regular type of person. She doesn't seem terribly diva-ish. I mean, she may be becoming that way with all the success, but she. She doesn't appear to be, and I think I think some of it, some of that seeps in, um, and I think she, uh, again, provides hope to everybody who's sung into a mirror and wanted to go mm-hmm. out and do it and mm-hmm. thought, well, I'm, I'm I don't look the right way, I don't you know, have this kind of voice, but she goes against the grain in certain ways or has been, and uh, yeah, so there's some, there's some interesting interesting stuff um, in there, but you know the, the anyway whatever. As we as we were saying, whatever entertains you, uh, and you know, doesn't make you antisocial, mm-hmm. uh, can be a very good thing for for your health and well-being. And then, of course, those ripples get made, and you're better to other people, and and then they go out and they're nicer to other people. So it, it's just a little pebble in the in the cultural stream that makes these nice little waves that go out, and it and it's very cool. I mean, sometimes, you know. There are things that can that you can enjoy today that you couldn't have enjoyed back in the day, and they would have been blocked from your attention um, by people who didn't like how much violence or sex or whatever it, it was in it. And uh, of course, you can find as much violence and sex and whatever in, in media as you want now. I mean, you, you can you can find you can find it's it's all over the place. A real popular show right now is this show on Netflix called Squid Game, and it's about a bunch of people who are in they're all in debt. Um, and they're rounded up and said, we, we're going to give you a huge amount of money and, and do m- and more than pay off your debt. And all you have to do is play these children's games. The, the catch is, if you lose, you die. You <laughs> shot. And, uh, and, and they play children's games. They played um, Red Light, Green Light. Uh, and they also did, uh, played uh, Tug of War. They're all, so they're kids' games, and if you lose, uh, you get shot. And, and and it's it's kind of like the car crash that you can't take your eyes off of. Yeah. Or or, or like another big thing on YouTube right now is, uh, or has been for a while, I guess, is uh, people getting their toenails cut. Oh like God. Watching podiatrists cut toenails, like that's a huge <laughs> thing for some people. Just have a Jones to see that. I mean, and and there are some some podiatrists out there who film themselves cutting someone's toenails. That audience should be just sent packages of Prozac by the government. Packages of something, packages of something like a, like a key to their door. Or I mean, some, a yard to go play in something. Uh, It's, it's weird what people find entertaining and the squid game thing. The, the, the jury is out in my mind about this particular program. It's very violent, but it's so violent so often 
that you're completely desensitized to it. Not Which is I, like what's what's what else is what's new? What's new about that? Really, it's a it's a different wrinkle on on what's been going on. But you know, one of the th things that's different again generationally is is today popularity comes down to who has X number of followers on social media and sells a number of albums. But that's not the whole population. That's just uh, a, a micro amount of people now because your number got so big on Instagram, two million followers. Well, oh, two million followers. Well, heck, there are 340 million Americans. It's like th there right. are very few people who are speaking over the top of the culture to everyone. And that's true in the news and that's true in music and it's true in, in everything. It's always interesting to, me, to see what a, people to see what people can do to get a million people to watch. Well, that's come right. Come back and watch the next time, and some of it is just like that's what this is. It's shock. Well, you you know, among three hundred forty million people, there are going to be, you know, five hundred thousand, two million, or whatever, who are sick enough that they're going to go into that stuff. But I, I, I kind of don't get alarmed by that because I, I see it for what it is, which is just like a blip uh, in the culture. Uh, it is like a car wreck on the interstate, and so um, I think we sometimes overplay the impact of that and say, oh my God, that's just, that's an awful vile program. You know, should that be even allowed on the air? Well, you can't stop it and it is, but very few people are watching that. I don't care what their number says are, it's it's minuscule. Yeah, as a fraction of all of us, it, it, it sure is. It's just amazing to me what people can, can do to get the kind of followers that end up getting monetized on YouTube and stuff like that. And a lot of it is, mm -hmm. you know, here's a guy who's, sees how big a piece of fruit he can get up his bum. I mean, it's just it's amazing, amazing talents that are out there. It's not, you're not you don't go to TikTok to see a, a, an old tape of Gore Vidal and William F. Buckley debating. It's not. No, it's not but you know, that's, that's right. But like in its heyday, for example, they used to say, oh, Seinfeld uh, averaged like 28 million viewers a week. Okay, 28, that's less than 10% of the population. It's like, right. so everyone is not watching it. The, 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 the numbers of people who are aware of a phenomena way exceed the people who are consuming that phenomena. Yeah, it, and, it's And that's more. true in every art. That's true in music. It's true in every, you know, that your, your, your brand name vastly exceeds uh, the people who are consuming your brand. Yeah, when when and we we described ourselves earlier as uh, pale old uh, dudes, and mm -hmm. and uh, uh, some of these things are created specifically, as they always have been, created specifically to irritate pale old dudes. Yeah, that's right, exactly. That's yeah, what well, I hated we'll get... about pale old dudes when I was a tanned young dude. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> that's right. I wanted to like the stuff they didn't like because they didn't like it. Yep. So that. That happens, but I think we should we should uh, get into this feature that that you 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 have produced, and and we're going to play it out in parts. So this is I, this is part one coming up. Ex explain to the folks, won't you, a little bit okay. about? Yeah, I'm really doing. excited about this. This felt like a real inspiration to me. You know, uh, for those who don't know, I uh, I teach uh, in the graduate school at Purdue and um, and the Brian Lamb School of Communication. And one of the topics that I teach each term is ethics, 
ethics, you know, because ethics in communication is really big. And for an example that drills down into this content, you know, if you're like on the on the um, communication team of a big company and, you know, you know what the norms are in America for, you know, how women are treated, whatever. And all of a sudden you have to be involved in international communication where the norms are. It's just it's a it's a ripe and ready topic for the field. So I thought, well, ethics, I'm, I'm into ethics. And I and I thought, you know, one of the most fundamental statements of ethics was the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus, uh, Jesus. And it's from Matthew 5 through 7. And uh, the Sermon on the Mount is famous in its brand, even if people don't know. But they've heard many pieces of this. And I thought, well, you know, it's so ancient. Who's listening to that or reading that? And then I thought, the idea came to me, you know, it's weird that Jesus was born in what we now call first century Jerusalem, but, or, you know, whatever, in Israel. But suppose he was born in Brooklyn, where I'm from. And he had the same method and the same everything. It would be Jesus from Brooklyn. And so I decided, well, how would it sound if he was giving the Sermon on the Mount intact, just as it's remembered, except in my tongue and in my accent? And so this is the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus from Brooklyn. And the first part's about, I think, what, 10 minutes? And yeah. it's going to be in 10-minute segments. And so I'm pretty excited that this has legs. This could change lives. Part one of Jesus from Brooklyn, a Quinn Martin production. <laughs> All right, people, we got a big crowd today. Nice to see everybody. Thanks for coming out. Uh, word got out there, I guess. We have a very big crowd. Take a seat somewhere down there. Make yourself comfortable. I'm going to move up on this hill a bit so I can see everybody, and, and you can see me. Now, I have some thoughts to share with you. Now, some of you brought lawn chairs and blankets, and that's good. And we have food for everybody. Rocky start passing out the baskets. We have fish and chips. Don't worry, there's plenty for everybody. Trust me, Rocky, I mean Simon, or whatever you're calling yourself. Oh yeah, Peter, Peter, okay. Now don't worry if you can't remember everything I'm gonna tell you, which is a lot, by the way. But my pal Lee guy over there, you may know him as Matthew, he's taken this down on his iPad and he's very meticulous. You know he used to work for the IRS. Uh, you can all get copies, uh, free. No Judas, they're free. Okay, first a few brief points. I shared some of my ideas recently, and as often happens, an ethics professor wrote them down for his students. For some reason, he called them a Beatitudes. I said, what? Beatitudes? I said, well, I get the point. Not many of you know a Beatitude from a carburetor, but if you think about the last part, tood, like in your attitude, okay, you got a good one, you get a blessing. And a blessing is like a shout-out from God, and that's big. Okay, so, all right, let's start. Let's begin. Blessed are the meek. The meek will inherit the earth. No kidding. The meek are destined to rule eventually. The meek are a blessing to all of us. Who are the meek? Beatrice. Beatrice is meek. You all know that. Now, you know, she runs the coffee shop. Everyone knows and would describe Beatrice as meek. But Francis, look, I love you, Francis, but nobody thinks of you as meek. Get with B and practice what she does. Get your meek on, people. You're going to inherit the earth. Now, blessed are the poor in spirit. In spirit, Eddie, not money poor. Hey, I'm money poor. I'm a rabbi. I'm on a teacher's salary. Now, keep in mind that my family is holy, but we are blue collar. My dad is a carpenter. Hey, I was born in a rundown barn. Poor in spirit is being humble. You get humble, and you will enter heaven. No lie. Now, how about uh, 
Any of you who are sad and mourning losses, let's face it, that's, that's all of us. Everyone has had losses, often horrendous losses. Well, trust me, in time, you will get comfort. Keep praying and that comfort will come. And help each other when they are mourning. You know what Linda just went through? Are you bringing her comfort? Are you visiting? Are you talking to her? Bringing her food? Rent money? This is what will help her find some comfort. Do it because before you know it, hey, Sparky, it'll be you. Now, I know a lot of you are starving to pull yourself together and be more moral. What they used to call being righteous. And blessed are the righteous. Now, that's a $10 word. But, you know, think about it being honorable, respectable, having virtue. Some are looking at me like, what's he talking about? Righteous, Google it, Harold, or share with your wife, Julie, to describe it to you. I am telling you that if you pray to be more righteous, you will become that, and you'll feel more complete, again, eventually. And let's not forget all of you who show kindness and mercy to others. Do it, because the payback is beautiful. See where I'm going here? I want you to be pure and peaceful, and you will see God. No lie. Want to know why? Because you start thinking uh, about who you are. You are God's children, got it? You're God's kids. And good parents loves their kids, and even when you want to clock them, even when they, you get ticked at your kids, you don't stop loving them, and you love them. You don't hurt them. Hurt a child? Uh, strap in, bucko. You'll answer for it eventually. Uh, trust me. Look up the word smite. You're going to get it if you ever hurt a child. You'll smote y'all. And one more point. If you listen to what I'm telling you and you start to follow my way, some people get their nose out of joint. They may even start in on you with criticism and even bullying. They come. Hey, that's how all of the holy people in the past were treated. And they're in the kingdom, the actual kingdom of God. And that's where you're going to go if you follow my way. So just walk away and go, nan, 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 nan. Okay? All right, good. All right, now let's move on. Uh, you want to know what I, how I feel about you? You peeps are the salt of the earth. Do you know what that means? What does salt do? It preserves and adds flavor. Ever seen a recipe that didn't call for salt? Of course not. It makes the whole thing pop. I want you to pop. You don't have salt in as well, you're bland. No one's paying attention. I want you to jump off your plate. And guess what? You are the light of the world. That's right. You're what brings light to the world. But people got to see it, capiche? Hey, do you get up in the night for a snack and grope around in the dark to the fridge? No, you're not an idiot. You turn on the light so you can see. Even a fridge uh, has a light to guide you. Your life needs to be like a bright light. Uh, you open the refrigerator door of your life and there's your light. Okay, understand? Uh, let me put it this way. If you're walking around like with some dark puss on your face, what are people going to think? You're dark. You got no light. And then they think you're up to something. Come on, Pete. Shine, smile, tell your face to lighten up, even if you've got bad teeth. Right, Mark? Let people see your grill. Trust me, it makes you beautiful, even when you've got low esteem of yourself. So just shine out. I know it's being said about me uh, that I'm all into being a celebrity rabbi, too big for his toga. They accuse me of trying to change the rules, overturn the law. Uh, no way, Mo Mo Moses. I will not come to do any such thing. The law is the law. You go around spitting in the subway, you're going to get cited. And trust me, you'll pay the ticket. I'm here to tell you obey the law and then some. Go beyond the law. Not only don't you spit, you have an attitude that respects the space. You got phlegm, swallow, bozo. You're here to be a model of obeying the law as an example to everyone. 
Think about the goody two-shoes you know. Think about the most pious and holy Joes you know. Unless you're as good as them, obeying the commands, you're not getting into the kingdom. You got it? So, you're not, so, so, so do not be a kingdom loser. As a matter of fact, I'm calling you to be even more diligent and law-abiding than anybody. Think about the most law-abiding individual. Someone known to be as pure as the driven snow when it comes to the law. And guess what? You should even be better. So when you pass one of these paragons on the street, they nod and wink at you in admiration. Okay? All right. Uh, all right, maybe spitting in the subway is not a great example. How about this? You've heard it said in the law, you know this, do not murder. Oh yeah, well, hey, murder's bad. Anyone doubts about that? And that's your big boast in life? Hey, I never murdered anyone? Good place to start. Murder? That's your moral standard? Honey, I'm home. Uh, did you kill anyone at work? No, not one. Okay, good. Supper's ready. Well, how about this, Popeye? I'm telling you, don't get angry. You blow up at your family and friends. You've got problems with me and the old man. No, if you go around spewing rage at folks, uh, then you ain't blessed, as they say. You go around insulting people, you'll pay the price here in court and worse if you croak, bozo. There are, you know, there you are at the judgment and you hear, okay, let's go to the videotape. This is what it's going to be like for you, okay? Let's say you're a church, at a church service. You remember you called your brother a liar. Get up, go see him and ask for forgiveness. Then come back to your service. Because you may be showered in the morning, but you're stinking up the pew. Okay. Let's say you're at Starbucks, having a latte. And who comes strolling in but the very guy you hired to retile your bathroom? You owe him $600, and you've been slow to pay, not answering his calls. Well, now, this is your moment. You're going to wait until you get a subpoena to court? You know how that's going to end. The money the court fees, the money the court fees, lost time at work, and some wicked posts on your Facebook page. Really? That's how you're going to play this? Hey, get up. Apologize. Pull out your checkbook. Better yet, go to the ATM machine in the store and pay up. Apologize. Tell him you had a bad week and ask him to let it go. Say you had a headache or vertigo or something. Buy him a latte and shake hands. And don't forget to smile. Okay? Now, you've heard it said also in the law, don't commit adultery. But I say... Even when you look at someone and have lusty thoughts, guess what, people? You've already committed adultery in your heart. Am I right? Honey, I'm home. Did you commit adultery today? No, I did not. What about Louise in accounting? Did you see her? Uh, yeah, sure. What was she wearing? Uh, yellow culottes, I think. Adultery? Filthy mind. Hey, you want to be pure and holy? Clean up your mind. Do you leer? Do you ogle? You've committed an act in your filthy mind. Wash up and go home. If you give in to your thoughts, you've already committed the act in your heart. That's right. If you give in to these thoughts, you've already done the act in your heart, right? If you can't control your wandering eyes, you better be better off you know, plucking your eye out. And even if you think about bad touch, cut off your hand and toss it. Better be a wide, one-handed loon than someone going down the hell hole, okay? So, okay, let's take a break for coffee, have some fish and chips. Peter, I know the basket, uh, you, you don't think there's enough. <laughs> Trust me, uh, you know, there you go. Okay, we'll be back in a little bit to talk about, ooh, divorce. And that's Jesus from Brooklyn, part one. Very good, Dr. Will, very good. Very Next good. week, part two, and we're going to be covering all manner of topics that are of interest to, to everybody. And I know you're going to want to tune into this. And, and if it gets the response, I think it will. It will be a live presentation coming later in the fall. And it's going to be the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus from Brooklyn, 
a PowerPoint production. So and there will be cool merch if we hear from Jesus's lawyers. So exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, great, and we look forward to that. Thanks, Dr. Will, for having me around and to talk to you. And it, oh, are you okay. kidding? Thanks. This is this is great synergy, and now we're going to have a whole lot of fun. Now we did we covered a lot of music t today, which is great. Um, next time we can maybe talk about comedy, or we can talk about movies, or or whatever. But let's do we, we, this popular culture. I mean, that's really what it's about. Yeah, popular culture, and and so much around that, and how it relates to health and wellness, and and what have you. So, we'll be around. And if you're if you're letting friends know, I don't know where you're receiving this podcast, but it's on Anchor, uh, uh, Spotify, Spotify, yeah, of those of those uh, cool uh, podcast sites. So. Be sure and pass it on to your friends and let them know, and we'll be back with you soon. You can find How to Be Well with Dr. Will Miller at your favorite podcast sites. Thanks for listening to How to Be Well.